Hi guys, and welcome to Podcast Full of Women. Hi. How are you today, Monday? I'm pregnant. Yay! Yay. We finally announced it. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. But but you knew. I knew. But I'm still excited. I'm not, you know, this is no, I'm not feigning excitement. I'm super psyched. Like, it's so incredible. And I'm so glad that you told everybody finally, because I'm just like, I want to talk about it on the podcast, you know? Yeah. Yeah, girl. Well, it's here. It's a a baby with a penis. Yes. A baby with a penis. (laughs) You got a penis um, in you right now. Yep. I'm growing a penis. (laughs) Inside me, yep. right this right moment, right now. Um, but yeah, no, we we were waiting. I also just have been so busy. It was like also <laughs> that, like I just still hadn't posted it because I'm so busy with this with this shoot. But yeah, um, you know, we like to wait, make sure everything's all good. We do all the tests, we check it mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. hospital. They scan you. They're taking your blood. They're mm-hmm. doing all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Take but, a um, questionnaire. They take a yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do the questionnaire. I got back. I got vaccinated. Yeah. It was all good. All good. All good. Everything's still there. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. How's this? Um. You know, I think I know some of it, but how's this pregnancy been compared to your last one? Like, do you have any insight for the people? Mm. Anything been different second time around? You know, it's the same, but I'm handling it different. Mm. Mm-hmm. So with Nolan, I was very nauseous well into my second trimester. Like oh. I was. I was still like vomiting on set, like just well, well into my second trimester when that's supposed to go away. Mm-hmm. And that. I, and I am like almost five months right now and still very nauseous. So <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like the same. So like, and I say that as I like burp and keep the burp in. So Sarah doesn't have to experience that. Um, Appreciate so that. She's doing God's work. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> life, the gift of life. The gift of life. Um, so yeah. So this time around, my doctor was like, please take the medication. Please just take the <laughs> nausea medication. Because I didn't want to do it last time. I kind of I kind of felt shamed a little bit oh. by, like, I wanted to do completely all-natural everything. I didn't take anything while I was pregnant. Mm. I, I, my goal was to not do the epidural, and I didn't do the epidural and wow. had a natural vaginal birth. Sure. These were all my goals. And so I was a martyr. And mm-hmm. then for, Got this, it. <laughs> for this pregnancy, I'm like... I guess it's also different that I have a different level of responsibility with a three-year-old now. Yeah. Feeling this way when last time, you know, I could have just taken a nap or not gone out or not, or just didn't wake up at 7 a.m. every day. And mm. and this time it's, I still, I have to do those things because I'm right. a, a mom to a, a human being that I have to take care of with my husband who's been doing way more stuff than I have uh, for him, for our dog, everything. Like he's been cooking. He's <laughs> shout been, out to JL. Shout out to JL. What up, JL? What up, JL? Um, Happy belated, JL. Yeah, it was his birthday yesterday. Mm-hmm. He's the dad of the year, um, mm-hmm. and it was our 11-year anniversary yesterday. That's so dope, dude. So, but yeah, so I've been on the medication for two weeks now, and it's game changer, life changer. Oh, okay, I was going to ask if it's like changing wish, the game. Yeah, yeah. wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like why? Why did I not do it before? It um, is interesting you're talking about the shame because like just in anything else, I feel like humans shame each other for literally everything. And I feel like, you know, even just like me having COVID last year, I felt like so like pulled to like talk about it publicly because everyone felt like shit about Everyone was just like shameful about it. If you've had mm-hmm. it, it's your piece of shit. Um, and then also I feel like, yeah, with pregnancy, like, dude, I'm going to tell you right here and now, if I ever am pregnant ever in my life, give me all of the drugs, give me everything you have. Cause I'm not here to fucking feel like shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. And everyone can think anything they want about it. And be like, Sarah's a piece of shit for that. I don't care. Honestly, like all the other pregnancy woes, I didn't really have. I just ha- had the nausea. Nausea has been terrible, and I have yeah. the nausea this time, and um, I feel like a, a large dolphin. I'm, I think I weigh the same as a dolphin right now. And um, <laughs> but what are you gonna do? I mean, I'm growing a human being. A I'm beautiful gonna, dolphin. I'm gonna give myself a break. <laughs> I think you should. Because, well, you know, honestly, you look great. I was actually, you know, not to segue, but I was literally at a party with Lindsay this weekend, an Mm -hmm. outdoor garden party, and she looked great. You look great. Oh, thank you. Your makeup was on point. You were, like, glowing. I walked up, and, like, it was like you were on the bench just, like, you know, in the – not the sun, because it was, like, a kind of shitty day, but you were there with foliage, Mother Nature, 
you know, and you looked really great. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. You look great every day, Sarah. You look mm. great right now. I have Thanks. my glasses on and like a messy ponytail. <laughs> well, literally, it's because I have a live stream later. It has nothing to do with like trying to be all at 7 a.m. Oh, you didn't dress up for me? I did dress up for you. What am I saying? It was for this, this audio uh, podcast. It was for, for that. Yeah. Well, oh my God, we've already talked for five minutes. Okay, sorry. Um, okay, say what you need that to was say. My, that was my fault. Um, yeah, no, good. but we have an amazing uh, woman, director, Ugh. filmmaker, Erica Rose on today. The best. With Erica Rose Films. I'm, you know, we get into it on the podcast, so I won't repeat myself, but I've known her for 10 years. Um, but I've been so interested in what she's been working on lately with um, Elena Street on um, the Lesbian Bar Project. Mm-hmm. Um she has so many fabulous people attached to it. She really gets into it, and I learned so much. Oh my gosh, I learned so much. Um, and so we really just wanted to showcase Erica Rose and all the amazing work that she's doing with her art. And she's always been like that through mm-hmm. the years. You know, mm-hmm. I've known her. We were laughing since she was like 18 years old. So amazing. <laughs> and um, I think because of you, I've known her now since 2016, right? Yeah, since we shot Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Steve. So that's yeah, five years. I can do math. Yeah, it's pretty good. I am math. I am math. I know math. Um, no, but I thought that was an excellent conversation. I do like her approach to everything. It doesn't feel like anything's like off limits to discuss, but while we're getting educated, I feel like she has a great way of like communicating so everyone can understand or, or at least have a conversation about mm-hmm. every... I don't know. She's amazing. She's amazing. And I, I think her. that our listeners all over America will learn a lot and also find her to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. yeah, enjoy our interview with Erica Rose after the jump. You know, okay guys, we're- Welcome back. Welcome back. We're here with Erica, who I've known forever since I was <clears throat> 24. Of course, 19. <laughs> uh, eight years old when you first came to the city, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Um, but truly, since I was 24, mm-hmm. um, because Erica was- uh, at NYU doing the filmmaking program and you put an ad on Mandy.com. Mm, Mandy. Yes, Mandy. <laughs> yep, yep. Those were the days. <laughs> for, thanks, thanks to our sponsor, Mandy.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mandy.com. Um, Do you exist still? I don't know. I, I forgot we met through Mandy. Yep, <laughs> it was Mandy.com and you were doing a three, one of the three camera classes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Erica used me for her three camera class, um, which is like when they're trying to teach them how to shoot a sitcom, basically. Yes. And everyone in Erica's class loved me so much that they all <laughs> used me for their scenes for like a like for the rest of the semester yeah actually the class um yeah the I think all of our projects uh at the end of the day were just starring Lindsay yeah yeah it was yeah you became our icon I met a lot of interesting people in that class because I can't remember if it was yours I think it was I got paired with an actor Jacob Ware who went on to be like a main character on a on a Boardwalk Empire oh, and wow. all these he's a huge actor now look him up <laughs> Jacob Ware um, with a W. Wow. I mean, we all start from humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah. And yes, you know, true. so I guess I met you when I was like 18. Yeah. Uh, <gasps> yeah, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Yes, of course. You know, brimming with optimism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All to be <gasps> yeah. uh, you know, completely eviscerated by the time I turned 20 or 21 Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. was confronted with the realities of this industry. Sure. As one does. I'm glad we met when um, I had that kind of outlook in life. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Positive. Through through the years, though, I mean, because... I mean, I turned turned 34 this summer, so I mean, it really has been 10 years. Um, Wow, that's incredible. Which is crazy. Um, Happy anniversary. And you guys are still here. (laughs) To us. Still here. Um, I had my anniversary with my husband yesterday, but a more important anniversary than my anniversary with Erica Rose. (laughs) Well, you've just been someone I've known forever. Like, every... I'm just like... I. Forgot we met on through Mandy.com. Yep. And thank you for reminding me. <laughs> but I just like was like, oh, thank I you, call- Mandy.com again. Yeah. For sponsor. And I'm just like, Lindsay has just always been like a pillar in my life in New York. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, even though we go years without like seeing each other, yeah. every time we do talk, it's like just back to totally. normal. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we bumped into you so many times. Even with Sarah. That's we talk- what I was about to say. When I first met you, we yeah. were, uh, we're driving around a whole bunch of stuff for Dr. Seeds. We had a, a box. No, we had a fucking box truck. Box yes. ass truck. Yes. 
Oh, and <laughs> you were on the street, I think. Or I was on the street and you were yelling at me from a truck, which yes. is actually completely normal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. many people have yelled at me um, while they were in 16-foot budget trucks. Like, Absolutely. that's completely normal. Yeah, it's a and, for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I remember I brought you on when I was producing to this, like, remember that fashion? Yes. Like, <gasps> I, like, honestly owe you my life oh. from doing that. That was like the most fucked up shit ever. Oh. I was working twenty. I assume I can say whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. say whatever you yeah. want. The, oh my god, people, that's what this is. Yeah. Most people do not listen to this podcast. Yeah, and if they do, hi. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm calling you the fuck out. I worked like <laughs> oh a twenty four hour day with what? no joke, and we they um. So it was like this uh, fashion film for the CFDA awards, mm, and I remember this shoot. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, like Lindsay was like. Like, I was, like, posted on Facebook or whatever. I was, like, I need, like, PAs or drivers. And Lindsay was, like, I'm a veil. And I was, like, are you sure? Like, please don't do this. But we were, like, okay. And and I brought Jeff Rabinak onto it. Yeah, me. that's right. Because he drives, too. So we both drive. We weren't doing anything. It was literally so last minute that I was, like, I have nothing to do this week. This is, like, before I had a kid. Sure. You yeah, um, can do yeah. shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was hilarious because um, the director is actually a very well-known director. Um, he's a dick. I I won't say his name, but he's a dick. And they, like, had me bring on um, the entire crew. And Mm. then they didn't... So the crew was so pissed off because the executive producers and the director and the DP refused to break for lunch. So the crew, who I were, like, they were my buddies, they went to me at the end of the day. They were like, I'm so sorry, but we're walking from this job. So then we had a a break, a day off. During that day off, I had to rehire the entire crew. Mm. Did that. Then the directors, EPs, or whatever were unsatisfied with that crew. So they fired everyone. And then the fi- and then after that, I was like, you know what? You just pick your people. And the people they picked, of course, were trash. Of course. Um, and yeah. it was like, yeah. And it made me realize, like, it is so easy to be abused in this industry. Mm. And it is so important that we set, like, like and it wasn't safe like there was no respect for like labor there was no respect for like people's like personal dignity yikes and it just after that I was like I will never be treated like that ever again and make sure that any set I'm on will be respectful will be safe and will be organized in a way that we Mm -hmm. did like didn't feel that in that Oh shoot. my god, you're it's so funny because all the things you just listed were not the things that made it the worst shoot for me. But do you <laughs> do you remember? Well, first let me say this: I have a lot of friends who work in fashion, yeah, mm-hmm. who are who are who are normal people, and they said just for like fashion stuff, there's like a complete disregard for like, oh, you're hungry, we don't care. Yeah. Oh, you're tired, well, we don't care. It doesn't. Huh. They don't seems- eat. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's not something true, that true, you would true, think true, 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 to break true. for. Yeah. 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 Right. So there's just, like, a disregard for, like, general, like, human human care for other people. Um, but, no, you were great on the shoot. <laughs> Definitely the longest hours I've ever worked for a shoot were on that. And I think there were days where, like, you – there were days where I picked you up and you had already been up. Yeah. Um, so it was, like – Hence I, my 24-hour day. <laughs> yeah. You had, like, a 24-hour da- day and I think I had, like, an 18-hour day. Yeah. Like, the no days OT, we were on. like – and I also remember one time one of the executive producers said to me, in all seriousness, she was like, actually, biologically, gay men are better designers than women. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, there's a saying with their brain. And I was like, whoa, no, girl. <laughs> and I was like, are you seriously trying to tell, like, are you like what trying to make this? this an argument? She was like, you don't know because I've worked in the fashion industry for 40 years and I know that gay men are just like biologically their brains are formed to like be better designers. Um, and I was like, well, like maybe we can talk about the like, you know, systematic sexism that yeah, plays. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. And that women weren't given the opportunity and actually women are treated like cattle in the fashion industry and completely dehumanized. Like maybe we could talk about that and our, you know, uh, like men and gay men make millions of dollars off of women's bodies and actually abusing women's bodies. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes. Wow. So I, just a grab bag of goodness. Yeah, yeah, grab yeah bag of it goodness, was yeah, but a joy, that, that joy, that job. There was one day where you guys went somewhere else and I was alone in Vera Wang's lobby <laughs> with her doorman and yes. the sound guy came to me 
and started going, mm, mm, mm. I was like, oh no, were they, were they mean to you again? <laughs> like literally I thought it was like, he was going, mm, mm, mm. and then he just laid down next to me on the couch and then started having a seizure and fell oh on the floor and had God. a seizure. Yep. And I was alone with the sound guy having a seizure for a very <gasps> long time. Cause in my brain, I was like, what would my nurse sister pay attention to? She would make sure he doesn't hit his head. She, you don't put the wallet in their mouth anymore. You let them, you don't put anything in their mouth. Okay. You just Walter's make sure filthy. So you shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that anyways. But um but people used to do that because people bite right, their I tongues. Get it. I get it. Yeah. Um and the doorman, I was like, call you need to call an ambulance and I was like making a mental note of how long he was having a seizure because I knew the ambulance was gonna ask me that. So all this happened while they were shooting down the street and I was alone and then um they literally took him away in the ambulance and the producers, not Erica, but the the main like yeah. executive producers and the director were so pissed off this guy had a seizure that they refused to pay him. They didn't want to give him his gear back. Yeah. Um, and then I was the one who found a replacement sound mixer that mm-hmm. came within an hour. Um, is and, it who I think it is? Um, it's the, I will say, we won't say her name, but okay. it's the awful attitude girl who Love shot... That. Our oh, Kickstarter video one say, time. I was hoping it wasn't She that. was the only one who was available because oh God, she has an awful that. attitude. And she, but I was appreciative of her awful attitude because those people deserved it. Yeah. So, yeah. I completely like blacked all of this out. It's like all coming back to me. Oh my God. Oh, well, because I was in the middle, we were, yeah, in the middle of like a company move or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, continue. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, that was it. Like and and the the new the new sound lady came to set. She was awful because yep. she is awful. She is. Yeah, she's but, terrible. But she but I almost enjoyed <laughs> watching her be rude to everyone yeah. because I was like, This is what you get. You were so mean to this other sound guy that just had a freaking seizure where yeah. they actually took him in the ambulance. They uh, they did refuse to pay him and I actually um took money out of my own salary to pay him. Oh, um why would you have to do that? But I'm love that you did that but why yeah because I was I mean and he was he was a really nice guy and like one of the few people of color on set like it was one of those things where it was like it, it was just like I wanted to make sure he was just okay and thank god you were there like, you were the right person to be yeah. there in the lobby. And I was, like, a witness to it, too, yeah. where it just was, like, I told the other producers, I was, like, no, this that's messed up. Like, I kept telling them, like, that's, no, you should still pay him. It's not his fault oh that he had a God. seizure. Well, we'll try to pay him half day. I was, like, no, that's not, that's still not okay. No. no. Um, so, it was, like, it was a very, and then they didn't pay me, and then Erica yelled at them, and then they did pay me. Yeah. This needs to be a short film, but don't do it. I'm yeah. just saying. Like, I it's mean, just insane. I should have reported them to yeah. like the New York Labor Department, and yeah. I was thinking about doing that, and they were actually getting threats to be reported, and people... It, yeah, fuck those people. Like, yeah, we'll wow. never, ever... Like, if anyone... They actually tried to hire me again, like, three years later, <laughs> and I was like... I, like, laughed. I was like, are you serious? No. Yeah. Are you all different humans? No. Yeah. So that's a negative. There yeah. was um the other sweet guy on it. Um, he was like also a producer with you. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, he was great, but he was completely abused by them too. Yeah. He years Jesus later he would he t- would text me every once in a while, and I was like, Lewis, I still have <laughs> PTSD, like- Lewis. <laughs> Lewis, I love you, but I don't want to talk to you right now. It was like, but like the PAs were great. It was like you, Christine Spang, who's now like actually a really successful actor, and Chris San Pedro. And like the three of you guys, it was like a beautiful trifecta. And it was like, I was so appreciative for you all. But I got to like, there were so many celebrities that that were in that video. Oh, yeah. Um, What's her face from 30 Rock? Uh, Jane. Jane Jane Krakowski. Krakowski. Okay, that is the shoot I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you texting me on that shoot. The thing is, is that we were working with like fashion royalty. Like yeah. Michael Kors, Donna Karen, uh, Diane von Furstenberg. That was the crazy. Yeah, that was thing. cool. That was the crazy. We got to go up in her office. Oh, yeah, and she awesome. she showed up just wearing uh, her Hillary Clinton shirt that she was like trying to sell, and she, no pants. Um, I mean, DVF can pull that off. Oh, nice. I remember Vera Wang's shoes mm-hmm. were probably the length of my water bottle here, and for people who can't see that because we're on a podcast, yeah, yeah, it's true. about a foot. They were like yeah. the Lady Gaga heels. Love that. Yeah. And Into that. Yeah. Um, and poor sound mixer had a seizure at Vera Wing's building. Um, yeah. It's so fun. I say funny, but interesting. Our friend, our other friend, Sarah Skyce, mm-hmm. is like her mom is old friends with Vera Wang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, funny story. I've been in her lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. FYI, a seizure happened and it was crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and Vera Wang designed Sarah Sky's mm-hmm. wedding dress for Gorgeous her and dress. her mom's wedding dress. Honestly, you know, for the wedding, you should get like a lifelong discount from Vera Wang. I like you need to pull that off somehow. Yeah, we need to at her because that would have been like a huge PR nightmare if after a shoot with Vera Wang, someone you know died. Yeah, went to the hospital. Yeah, Yeah. and they were and I honestly I had so much respect for my sister who's a nurse after that because at the time my sister was working on a neurology like in a neurology unit, so you Uh do have people with like are having strokes and seizures and all that kind of stuff and it was like so visually upsetting to see him yeah. have a seizure and I, I'd seen other people have a seizure before but it was the first time I was by myself basically sure and the doorman was freaking out more than I was and so I also like just called my sister afterwards and like just cried because I was like your job must be so hard oh. that you see that all the time you see that every day I was like I just saw it for 10 minutes and it was like so upsetting it like ruined my day and she's like yeah you get used to it Oh yeah. God! Yeah, bless your sister. So we don't uh, say that enough. Yeah, especially after Covidia. Yeah, like, she mm-hmm, had to freaking. Mm-hmm. She was in the front lines so yeah. hard. It kind of like put into perspective every time I do feel stressed out with a gig, you know, yeah. like Sarah and Erica Rose saw when they came <laughs> this morning. That like other, you know, we're still making videos at right. the end of the day. I remind myself of that. We're not doing surgery. Right, no one's life is on the line. Right, really. hopefully. Thank so. God. I, I mean. It, it was that day, but yeah, yes. mostly it's not. Well, yeah. I always say film is like you're creating problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that whenever I think about it like that, it's calming because I'm like, all of this is artificial. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we're just here to, I mean, it's important work. And yeah. I think film is the vehicle in which people are able to change their political beliefs. They're able to have a different outlook on uh people that they might have uh, necessarily thought differently of. You right. know, I think that it's the kind of most uh, visceral and direct medium in order to create conversation and change. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's not open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And right. thank God, because I would be completely like terrible at like having anyone's life in my hands. Hell like, no. No way. I yeah. think I think this is a great transition into I feel like you've always been so good about using your art to spread awareness yes. to things. Mm-hmm. And lately, you've been working on the Lesbian Bar Project, which you guys released your 20-minute documentary. Yes. And you're still fundraising for June, which is Pride Month. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, as we all remember, mm-hmm. the pandemic hit yes. New York City. And, you know, I had been... I had been producing on a lot of stuff and, like, directing on the side. And, uh, you know, I was on a show and, you know, the show shut down and I was unemployed. And I had this moment where I had nothing for the first time in years. And I was left with thinking about the importance of gathering space and being together and really what that meant for not just my life but for um, our entire community and because I think as filmmakers and artists, like it's unnatural to be just like stuck at home Absolutely. and behind our computer screens. Like Absolutely. we're, you know, people who are dynamic <clears throat> and need to be in front of others. And um, I felt such a, you know, tremendous loss, let alone like the pandemic was terrifying. So I was on the phone a lot with my friend Alina and we were just, you know, using our time on the phone to just really kind of process what was happening. And this coincided with a couple of articles that were coming out about the disappearance of lesbian bars even mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Um, you know, NBC Out was reporting that there were about 16 or 15 left in the country. Insane. And I, and, and, Mind-blowing. And it's completely unacceptable. Yeah. And I was talking to Alina, and I was like, oh, the last time we were in person together weeks ago was at the lesbian bar uh, Ginger's in Brooklyn. And I was like, it kind of just like clicked, and we were talking, and we were like, we need to do something about this. We have the time. Let's like try to spread this message because Alina and I were very immersed in the LGBTQ community. I mean, I've been out for over a decade mm-hmm. and would patronize these bars all the time. And I didn't even know the numbers were so bad. So we were like, okay, let's do something that is like um, kind of a doc PSA hybrid to spread the word that there are so few left in the country mm-hmm. and we put together a team and we were like it kind of birthed the lesbian bar project which was um initially you know the psa a website and a pool fund crowdfund campaign 
to uh, uh, raise money for the remaining bars in the country. So after a couple of months of conceptualizing this, we um, we wanted it to be branded for a couple of reasons. One, we wanted a brand to pay for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, brands completely exploit the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, they should pay for this stuff. Um, yeah. And also, a brand was able to give us a platform that we wouldn't have necessarily had if we, you know, didn't go the branded route. So we partnered with Jägermeister, which I will say is an incredible, incredible mm-hmm. brand. Cool. I had like never had Jägermeister oh, before. Oh, Jägermeister, what's up? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, they are not just about rainbow washing or rainbow capitalism. They support the queer community mm. every day of the year. And that's what we wanted. And, you know, we had missed Pride last year because we, you know, weren't ready. And they greenlit our project in October and I had a lot of respect for that because I mean we kind of framed it around like national coming out day but I had a lot of respect for that because they a lot of brands wouldn't have necessarily give like uh you know given us a chance right mm-hmm. um they have the save the night initiative exactly too. they right. had the uh save the night initiative which was uh to give money to nightlife spaces that were just disproportionately affected by the pandemic right so we kind of fit in very nicely under that uh, initiative. And then we also knew that we wanted um, voiceover done by like someone who was like a pillar of uh, the queer community. And we went out to Leah Delaria mm-hmm. because, she, I mean, she's an icon. Uh, super, she's, super icon. Yeah, Love. she's Lord of the Lesbians. That's, you know... Uh, it's not just self-anointed. It's uh, declared. It's a, it's a fact, actually. She was knighted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she queen. Was, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, she, we went out to her, and she immediately called us and was like, yes. And mm. she, you know, goes. she's one of the few famous gay people who still go to the bars and who's still part of the community. And I really respect that about her because, like, so many of, like, famous lesbians like they like are so detached yes. from like kind of like everyday queer people and trying to call out ellen on our podcast i am calling yeah. her well and it's it, and it's interesting because i actually think about this a lot in the way how we see gay people in media is usually through an incredibly socioeconomically privileged lens. Yes. And most of the queer people that we idolize are wealthy. And what that does is that Mm -hmm. on one hand, it gives certain people a platform that can raise other people up. But for the most part, it erases kind of the central issues that are plaguing the queer community, like how our spaces are disappearing. Our healthcare is a mess. There's employment discrimination. There's housing discrimination. And we don't necessarily give folks that are on the front lines of these issues and who are trying to solve these issues the same kind of platform that we do as someone like Ellen DeGeneres, who has arguably done a lot of harm to the queer community in the past 10 years. I will say, like, Ellen was instrumental in helping us become more visible, and I credit her a lot for that, but I think she has lost a sense of her community. I mean, her, like, cozying up to W and cozying up to Kevin Hart after he said all that homophobic shit, it's like, where, like, you forgot that, like, we stood by you and we supported you and we, like, you know, when your show got canceled, we were the people that got you through that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance, like, when you become famous and rich. And I think that Leah Delaria is someone who really, you know, understands her community mm. and has been such a leader in her community in a way that doesn't feel completely detached. Absolutely. So that was like a really not, like I was so thankful she came on. So she came on as an executive producer and we wow yeah we um and she did the voiceover and we were able to shoot a bit last year. We shot with Lisa Menachino, the owner of Cubbyhole, and Lisa Canastrosi, the owner of Henrietta Hudson. But we couldn't really do much, so we relied a lot on archival, which was. Great, and we found archival that really was uh, transportative and allowed people like to kind of feel like they were in the space even though they couldn't be. Mm-hmm. So we released the PSA and our website, and we went on to raise over one hundred seventeen thousand mm, dollars for the bars, um, which was crazy over a twenty-eight day uh, pool fund campaign. And then Jägermeister really wanted to continue the partnership with us, and Alina and I were like, okay, well. 
we have a longer form like version of this that we want to do. And they were like, great, let's do another cool phone campaign. The uh, pandemic is not over. So we were like, we <laughs> wanted to, yeah. And we were like, well, you know, we're <clears throat> vaccinated now and we can actually travel to uh, some of these bars. So we pitched a 20 minute documentary mm. and that was just released last, um, I guess, two weeks ago almost now. And uh, it is through the lens of the bar owners community activists, archivists, and patrons. And what was really important for this leg of the project was, so last year it was all about alarming the public about this staggering statistic. But this year is all about telling the human stories behind the bars. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for me, like so much of how we talk about queer space is through the lens of trauma, of disappearance, of erasure. And it was really important for me to say, hey, these spaces are going to survive. And here are the people, I like to call them cultural architects. Yeah. Here are the people who are hustling for us to keep these spaces alive. And we're also showing how they're evolving. Right. So we um, we shoot at Cubby Hall, Henrietta Hudson, mm. um, and we shoot with some archivists, um, and we kind of like have a moment where we go back in through time and we see some spaces that were open. We talk about how lesbian bars um, had a really divisive history. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them were very exclusionary to black and Latina lesbians. And in response to that, the Salsa Soul Sisters were formed, which was the first black and Latina lesbian organization in the country. Mm-hmm. And the way that they occupied space, um, you know, they didn't own space in the way that white lesbians did. And uh, they, you know, kind of uh, had space at churches or at um, restaurants or like parks or the piers. And for us, like that is defining, like that's part of like lesbian, like what a lesbian bar is. And right. like we're arguing that a lesbian bar is like beyond four walls. Um, and then we go down to DC and we talk to uh, Joe McDaniel and Rage Pike who are opening a new bar. Um, which is very exciting and that was important to us mm-hmm. to show like people are opening space um, and then we go down to Mobile, Alabama and shoot with Rachel and Sheila Smallman of hers mm-hmm. and you know when you think of Alabama you don't necessarily think of a lesbian bar Mm-mm. but here are like two amazing black women who are only black uh, women owners and um, in the country of like, the people who own lesbian bars. Wow. And they are creating safe space um, in a community that isn't necessarily safe for all queer people. Um, so yeah, the film is free to stream and everyone should watch it. Um, <laughs> so and you have yeah. something exclusive on NBC Out. Is it that? Uh, so NBC Out was our exclusive premiere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then they, they released the, um, the film. Um, to the public so and then yeah we started our launcher pool fund campaign again on june 3rd and we're trying to raise two hundred thousand dollars this year oh my god well i love that you guys kind of transition from you know because it's all it's a whole it's a whole organic thing like you're talking about you know raising awareness first but then you kind of moved into like celebrating mm-hmm. this whole world the celebrating the safe spaces that you that, that are being made and all the strides i think that's great Instead of just talking about the tragedies, look at what's happening. Look at all the wonderful things happening amidst, you know, COVID, amidst things sh- shutting down and everything like that. I love that. Yeah, that was, I mean, it's really, really important because I think that these spaces are evolving. And that's one thing that we talk about in the film. Like, for example, Henrietta Hudson, they just recently changed their logo. And they had a logo that was like kind of like, female presenting sure. and then they change it to something gender neutral and there was a lot of backlash uh, mm. on like Instagram and social media about that from like kind of like old school turfy lesbians and that was like really unfortunate and Lisa Canistrossi the owner of Hens had a beautiful statement she released it publicly and one thing she said um, to me which I thought was like the best way to talk about this she said back in like the 90s and 80s when you thought you were in a lesbian only space yeah you weren't there was trans men there mm. trans women there bisexual people there pansexual there, people there and the truth of the matter is is that those identities have always been in the lesbian community and so we went back and forth like Alina and I were talking a lot about this. Like, do we even call it the Lesbian Bar Project? And like, right. what is a lesbian bar? Mm. And, you know, we decided yes. And I always believe, like, 
it's such a disservice to be so like militant about the definition of lesbian. Like I think that like uh, we outline on our mission statement, like a lesbian bar is for a space for all marginalized genders within the LGBTQIA community. So that's mm-hmm. all queer women, uh, regardless if you're cis or trans, mm-hmm. uh, non-binary people and trans men. Mm-hmm. And it's about prioritizing those people's experiences. All of our bars are like, they're of course open for everyone. Um, you know, none of them are exclusionary or if they're trying, if they are exclusionary, they're trying to combat that and learn from that. Right. Um, you know, I think that it's, and like all the bars, you know, they actually rely on straight allies to come because then we can talk all about that, about, you know, the lack of leisure dollars that a lot of queer women have to spend. So, but it's about like when you are a straight ally walking into that space, you're a guest. And Joe McDaniel, one of our subjects in DC, she says that really, really well. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're a guest in the space and you need to treat it like you are. So you need to defer to the, the queer people running the establishment and the exactly. queer people who are prioritized there. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, I love Henrietta Hudson's because they let us film there for, I was a consulting producer on These Thems, which was oh, a, yeah, 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 yeah. a queer comedy series. You can watch every episode on Outfest now, and um, perfect to kick off Pride Month. We are on the ballot for the Emmys for short form comedy. Amazing. So, okay. Well, we'll definitely uh, <laughs> plug that. I have Hallelujah. to. I have to connect you with Gretchen Wilder because I realized I never have, and and she's incredible, and she created the show and starred in it, and it's based on her experience discovering. Um, first that she was a lesbian and then that she is a queer femme. So was Gretchen a DP at one point? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Oh. She's, she's always been like actor, actor, like oh, she, okay, sings, never mind. she dances. I got it. Yeah. I got it. So sorry. She was, she thought she, or, d- that's kind of the story okay. of it is mm-hmm. that she doesn't know she's, she's gay. She realizes she's a lesbian then through her self discovery <laughs> realizes that she's a queer femme and it's, it's a really great show for everyone to watch mm-hmm. because I learned so much just producing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. And I mean, not producing it, having her on the podcast. I learned yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I used <clears throat> to say like, yeah, my, you know, Gretchen, she's a lesbian. We should have her on. Yeah. And then I think I said it actually on, on the podcast yeah. and she's like, Lindsay, I'm, I'm actually a queer femme. I was like, see, this is why <laughs> this we can talk about it. And it's like, you know, you all learn stuff, even mm-hmm. when it's one of your own friends or your, you know, someone yeah. you're doing stuff with, you and, know? Yeah. And that's why it's important to like have space for folks to, um, be able to identify the way in which they are. And, and I think that we didn't have the language decades ago Mm-mm. for like queer femme, mm-hmm. you know, for non-binary mm-hmm. people. And now we do. So we need to prioritize those identities in mm-hmm. our spaces and like, yeah, like I identify as a lesbian. I also identify as queer. I also identify as gay. I also identify as a dyke. I also identify as um, a lord of the lesbians in the making. Love. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll be nice. Leo won't appreciate. Yeah, yeah, she won't appreciate that. No, <laughs> but like, no. I mean, um, I, I definitely, but. Like, I never, like, if I meet someone who identifies as, like, a queer femme or bisexual or whatever, I'm, like, I never think that they're, like, any less part of the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it sucks that those people were, like, when Hens changed their logo, that they were just, like, Mm -hmm. so negative about it. And, you know, honestly, I talked to Lisa about it. She and I, because, like, they were, like, like trolling our page, too, because they were, like, why is Henrietta still part of the campaign? And I was, like... How they identify is a queer human bar built by lesbians, and that meets our definition. And for us, it's like it's like lesbian bar and. And that's the real pinnacle and the kind of heart of how our spaces are evolving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, Gretchen was telling me about that when we hung out the other day, that she's just had so many people kind of trolling her page and, and kind of putting her down. And I was like, girl, so many people love that show and and you are so self-aware and you tried so hard and succeeded yeah. in including everyone i was like if you get three dms that's three people but but still take it with a grain of salt yeah. because you did such a great job with that mm-hmm. show yeah i mean it's i i need to watch it and the thing is is that yeah we get trolled like i get trolled all the time and i'm kind of just like and most of the trolling is about the fact that 
we include trans people in our language. And, you know, and I will say, like, for the most part, the community has been so supportive of the project. Sure. I will say that. That's good. But there has been a lot of transphobic stuff that's come our way, and it's just unacceptable, and I don't engage in it Mm -hmm. because that person doesn't that is writing that to me yeah. doesn't deserve a conversation Mm-mm. um you know it's not i i do think that it it's not trans people's job to educate cis turfy people about <laughs> no. the trans experience no. um you know uh and we do make sure to have language that really like tries to educate as much as we can about like why trans people are part of that but you know I just don't engage um and we obviously just remove anything that's like violent or you know really fucked up for sure yeah but it's a shame I mean and it's like and I'm I'm like those people are gonna get weeded out like Gen Z I, I mean Gen Z unfortunately hates on millennials and I don't understand why but I will say as a compliment to them, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to a researcher at UCLA and she did a large study on lesbian, bisexual, and queer women. She told me 5% of adult women identify as either lesbian, bisexual, or queer. Mm. 22% of girls identify as lesbian, bisexual, or queer. And, you know, there's a couple reasons like why that might be. And it's hard to say because it's like, there's young. I was, you know, a factor might be like people when they're younger, are kind of more likely to be open-minded sure. and then they might fall into heteronormative relationships or friendships and then kind of like lose that part of themselves. Sure. Um, but I think that it's a really great thing overall and people are given the space and the language mm-hmm. to really explore who they are and that's fucking awesome and I wish I had like that kind of camaraderie when I was like <laughs> struggling with my sexual sure mm-hmm. so you're saying millennials it's you said what five percent uh adult women so i guess that's millennials gen uh gen x sure and baby boomers i guess wow yeah. and then 22 percent yeah. yeah i see that on tiktok because i am one of the hip um 33 year olds on tiktok <laughs> in the last are you years. on gay tiktok I, it shows me gay TikTok because I'm yeah. like, I love this video. <laughs> and then the algorithm is like, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Once you like, then you're like, all right, we're going to and all sorts of fun gay shit. But yeah. I will say for Gen Z, like, I do see that just in mm-hmm. the comments or just anything that it's also, you just, other women supporting women in like a different way. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing I do love about Gen Z as we talk about like trolls and, and people who are just like internet, like just doing things to hurt you for no reason. Absolutely almost, no reason, yeah. That I love on TikTok that if someone comments something negative, they will directly call that person out and make a new video saying, oh, Bob, you don't <laughs> like this. And they'll tag, they'll tag the account and they'll tag on TikTok. You're able to tag yeah. the comment. So it makes the comment on the video and that's my favorite thing because I feel like they're trying to change internet bullying by just directly yeah. calling people out be like, and they'll be like is this you? Is this you? Is this you? And they'll dox them which I'm not saying it's like 100% right but I mm-hmm. find it so interesting because they're trying to come up with something that our our generation you know, we got, we all got Facebook in college and yeah. like, we haven't been able to figure out like, okay, people say mean things to me. I guess I just delete the just comment. But right. You can't or, delete it from your brain. Yeah. You still read it. And I like how this group of, of youngsters is like trying to directly call people out or punish people for it. Well, I mean, I will say that behavior plus like what they did with when Trump had a rally in Tulsa and then they remember they like all these like Gen Zers on TikTok essentially like bought all the tickets yes. for it, Very and then effective. like yeah, Very and I was like, you know, that's activism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's effective. I, yeah, 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 and it's like <laughs> way more effective than most politicians. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, way more effective than the Democratic Party. Right, like let's be real. Let's yeah. So yeah. I think that's I, I need someone to do that. Maybe I'll ask our social media coordinator to start. Uh, Adding them, yeah. Like, like, Find a high school student, yeah. Because I'm yeah. sure they would just do it for shit. free, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for for actual, yeah. Because it is effective, and also like I'm um, just as an example. Um, I follow Lizzo on TikTok, and like someone said some weird backhanded comment, and she just like didn't let it slide. They're like, yeah. I don't care what people say about you. You're pretty, like some dumb shit. And she's like, hi. So like. What does that mean? Because honestly, I'm dope. I'm a millionaire. I look good. I'm getting my fucking... She's in her car. She's like, I'm doing what I want to do. She's like, so when comments like that are said, like, 
you know, thank you, but like, what is, even is that? And people are like, exactly. You know, people can really, even whether it's celebrities, whether it's somebody's just their TikTok, it's like wonderful to be able to like actually just clap back in a way or just like speak back and say, hey, thank you, but you know. But that's yeah. a part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And also I think when, because we're having, or you're having trolls and stuff like that, I think a lot of that stuff is a signal that you're making waves. You know, because if you're not making waves, none of that shit would be going down. I, you know, thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I think that if you have a couple trolls, that means you've made it. You're in the zeitgeist. And that's what I wanted for this project. And, you know, we were shocked with the amount of coverage we received. And Mm -hmm. this year alone, like, we've received, like, almost every major publication has done a story Mm -hmm. on us. And, you know, actually, to clarify, so last year we had uh, 15 bars on our list. And this year we have 21. A lot of people are asking why, and I just want to say. Um, so we did months of research to try mm-hmm. to uh, uh, pinpoint exactly how many bars there were in the country. It's really hard to do that because there's not that many studies on it. Uh, and a lot of these bars don't have public-facing content. They might not necessarily be active or really present on social media. Sure. And they might be in places that are like where they have to be a bit discreet. It's unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we relied on the community to step up and to email us and say, hey, you missed this bar and you missed this bar, et cetera. And so we were able to locate a couple more and we, um, you know, there's 21. We always say it's an estimated number. We can't for sure, for sure say. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still like, even though that there's 21, it's still like horrible like (laughs) it's like okay like a couple more but it's like it's still um on the brink of extinction like that's I really I you know and the pandemic really could have brought that number down to zero Mm. and a lot of the bars like for example blush and blue in Denver they would have closed their doors if it wasn't for us and we didn't set out to save any of the bars because at the end of the day unfortunately like we're not you know equipped to give out like you know, government loans, like, you know, I think that the government should absolutely have more protection for small businesses, especially small businesses that are owned and operated by marginalized Marginalized. people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, um, but like, we just wanted to give them some relief heading into the darkest Mm. winter that they would ever have. And, you know, we were thrilled to learn that like these bars were able to stay open because of us. And Mm. that just meant a lot to me. And I was really happy. Like, you know, my goal was always to like tell the stories about these bars, but that was just like a great bonus. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, that's so cool. My, my cousin, Jen, shout out to cousin Jen. Um, Cousin Jen. Cousin Jen, what up? Um, she's a lesbian and I I wonder, and she lives in Colorado. I wonder if she goes there all the time. I should ask her. Yeah. Jen. (laughs) Where are you at? Where you Jen, at, where you at? I'll tag you in the comments, Do Jen. It. We'll add her. She's the best. Thank you, cousin Jen. Um, wait, I haven't seen her all year because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? We're all vaxxed, relaxed. Waxed. I was going to say relaxed. Some people are waxed. Some people are choosing. Yeah, I'm actually not waxed. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm waxed. <laughs> I, I'm um, I've actually never gotten a wax in my entire life. Mm. I... Mm. Um, don't. Yeah, don't do it. Because I, that's yeah. why I don't. Because I did. My, I like my friend Allie was telling me, and I don't think she'll mind sure. me saying this because she's um, public about this. Allie Clayton, shout out. Who's <laughs> what a hilarious edit. comedian. Everyone should check her out. She was telling me that like she waxed her asshole the other day. <gasps> and By herself? No, she went to like a okay. uh, European wax center. Good. Because mm-hmm. I could go she for it. professionally now. waxed butthole. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, and then she was like, it was like painful for her to sit afterwards. And I was like, you know, I'm so happy for her. Like, I want her to have a perfectly coiffed asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially she wants that. Yeah. yeah. Word up. I, like, mine is like so sensitive that I can't imagine. <laughs> and I'm so embarrassed for anyone to be up close and personal there. Like, I don't even let my girlfriend see any of that. I'm like, <laughs> that is so I'm, funny. I'm like, you I'm, blur it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I blur. It's like an anime porn. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Yeah. When um, I'm like, please look. Uh, the other way. Um, but so yeah, that, I, I have way. a lot of respect for people who wax their assholes. Like, I'm in awe of them. And yeah. maybe one day I'll gain the confidence to let um, mm-hmm. a, a, a let an esthetician wax yeah. my asshole. Yeah. Um, Think about the estheticians. Damn. Yeah. Godspeed. I, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so I've actually never gotten a wax. Um, but I've seen uh, a lot of estheticians work. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, good. And, good. and I yeah. will so you're say, a connoisseur. You might yes, be an expert. I, I actually know, I know their, yeah, I know their, their work, technique yeah. and their work very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Supporting the arts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. And I will say the person who does my girlfriends mm-hmm. is excellent. Good. Uh, really great at her craft. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I just good. haven't received it myself. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, it's funny that you say it like that because I feel like if you were going to get one thing waxed, it should be your asshole because I feel mm. like that's the only thing I was like, I'm, I think I'm sold. But maybe maybe they injured your poor friend. Maybe they didn't do it right. Well, I need to talk hard. to her. Yeah. I actually am going to text her after this and be like, how's your butt? Yeah, um, yeah. ask her. I'm, yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. I really, I really like, No butt left behind. Yeah, yeah I yeah. care about her and mm-hmm. her asshole and yeah. I just want to make sure yeah. she's okay. Yeah. No, good. definitely. I, you know, when I did go get it done, the ladies reacted like I was a big baby. In fact, they told me I was a quote unquote big baby. Um, Babies come in and get their. I was like, I'm being shamed. I'm not wearing pants. I'm I'm Winnie the Poohing it here, which is a shirt and no pants. Yeah. And you guys are telling me. It's a very vulnerable place to be called like a a bitch baby. Yeah. Not not that they said exactly. I guess they're trying to like break you down to build you up. It's like military. It's like, you're nothing. You're nothing. You can take it, yeah, but yeah. you're nothing. Then they build you back up. You're like, you're everything. Yeah, yeah. Prove yeah. you're something. Can yeah. you can you suffer through this? This yeah. is exactly why I don't go and get waxed because yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle that. Like yeah. the um the sh- uh, if someone was like, you're a big baby, you can't handle it. I would say, I am. And please, can I go? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't care if there was like a hot wax pressed to my yeah. Yeah. back. They'd wash you the fuck out. Yeah, you'd yeah. be out. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd yeah. be like, they haze you to oblivion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd be like, I'm, I'm departing this situation. Yeah, because um, then, but then you just have like one half bald, the other half full. Listen, tree, it's two things. It's good. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a yin and yang. Yeah, <laughs> um, have not seen that. Okay, before. Yeah. Yes, oh, as a connoisseur of uh, um, vaginas. Yeah. Um, there you go. Then, yeah. uh, this is actually the trend for hot girl summer. It is. Yeah. So half it. We're going to start waxed. it now. Yeah. 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 Let's let's uh, start a new trend. Let's make, maybe make a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. That, yeah. Start with the TikTok. Yeah. I did make it to waxing TikTok at some point, and I'm like, this is not for me. This no, is not, not at all. This is not what I'm well, interested in. We could try in. our new flavor, which is half wax. <laughs> yeah. So. Half wax. Half waxed. Full wax. Full wax. Yeah. Full wax. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there we go. Oh my god, guys. I haven't heard that iteration before. Never. Actually, I think we just won. Yeah. <laughs> we we, won, we, we just won the we internet. Just won the internet I think. Well, what other things do you have coming up for this year? I know this is like a huge thing you're focusing on, but personally, well, professionally, whatever anything you, want. you want to say. If not, that's no, cool. No, yes. I actually also would love to talk about this other film I have been working for on for even longer than mm. I was working on the Lesbian Bar Project. Bar Project. For. Um, it's a wonderful short film called Choices, mm. and I just shot it last month upstate. And it is written by the lovely uh, and very talented Jess Jacobs, who mm. also stars in it. And it's about um, a woman who finds out she's pregnant. It's an unplanned pregnancy. Mm. And when she announces um, to the attending nurse that she wants an abortion, her world splits in two, and then wow. she, the other part of the parallel universe, announces that she wants to keep the pregnancy. So it's about the 24 hours in between this person's um, either prenatal appointment wow. or abortion, and it's really about uh, the the choices within choice, yeah, and the relationships and the consequences um, of that decision and how that affects your relationships. Mm. And this character is able to become closer to the women in her life because of this unplanned pregnancy. And it was a really exciting opportunity to, um, you know, humanize the abortion rhetoric. Like so much of yes. it is like caught up in like political, like, um, you know, or either like Supreme court yeah. <laughs> or court cases. And, you know, I think that Jess and I, when we sought out to make this film, we really wanted to, talk about you know the people behind all of this yeah the actual people dealing with yeah it. and yeah. you know I think that it's it's really about agency and really about choice mm-hmm. and no decision she makes is better than the other exactly and both are complicated and both mm-hmm. you know are like you know Jess talks about this a lot like just publicly that you know she had an abortion when she was 19 mm-hmm. and then um you know she realized that like 
a couple she, like, she didn't tell anyone until like much much later mm-hmm. and then she realized many people in her life also had an abortion yeah. and they didn't talk about it because mm-hmm. there was no platform to talk about it right. and abortion is still one of the most stigmatized things to talk about I would say it's like you know and it's all it's all interconnected it's all like the ability for women to or people who become pregnant to determine their reproductive uh, future is inextricably linked to the political power of women yeah and you know as we all know like we're, like abortion restriction and all of that is not about like the sanctity of life no like fuck that because like, no if one you, gives a shit when the baby's then right and if you actually cared about life you would care about the person who was pregnant who yep. needed to make the decision most people who get abortions are already parents um, and most people, it's, you know, a complicated decision that is rooted in economic stability. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and expensive it's, to have It's a so expensive. It's insanely expensive. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, no one needs to justify their reason. It's just that mm-hmm. they should be able to have that. And I think that it's, um, it's all about power and disenfranchisement. And it's about keeping women at a um, inferior cast and I'm reading the book cast right now mm. highly recommend literally brought it with me on the subway um, yeah so uh, it's about keeping women and poor people at an inferior cast mm-hmm. and that's cast the origins of our discontents by Isabel Wilkerson yes look it up yes I'm re- very very uh, fascinating read but so yeah and the film um, we uh, also Worked with Alicia Rayner from Orange Is the New Black and Paige mm, Gilbert. Amazing. Um, from she was in. We had seen her at uh, an MCC show called Blacks, which was amazing. And I like Paige. I was like always like very enamored with. I was like she's amazing. And then it turns out like she had auditioned for me before um, <laughs> with my other short girl talk. And I was like, oh my god, yes. And she, we were like destined to work together mm-hmm. at some point. And yeah, the film is in post. Um, right now but I'm really really excited about that and I'm really excited to uh that the film is going to elicit a lot of conversations it needs to that's the point right yeah Yeah. and it's really I love that it's really framed in the sense of we find out more about each other through these unplanned experiences yes and through opening up and you know the two people that she's grappling with um in the film are her mom and her best friend Mm. and those arguably are the people you should feel the most comfortable to be vulnerable with and you know they couldn't open up to each other until this experience Mm. and you know it's really about flipping the script on this kind of like internalized shame about it yeah and the only way to combat shame is to talk about it yes and I think that's also it's so important to us and the other thing that's really important is that and part of the reason why we chose this like split world kind of approach to it is that it really signifies that there's a duality within us all even though you make this decision and this decision is irreversible and there are a few decisions in life that are as irreversible as pregnancy mm-hmm. and as, as you know as someone mm-hmm. who um, is pregnant and had a child yeah um there are a few decisions that are irreversible and i think that there is a duality that exists especially you know the folks that i know who have gotten abortions yes yeah. um you know there's always this other side of like not that there's regret, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that at all, because I think most people do not regret it. No. But I think that there is this feeling of, like, what if? Yeah. And I think we wanted to explore that. We wanted mm-hmm. to be like, you know, Jess talks about, like, if she had gone down this parallel, like, alternative How different path, would her life be? She would have an eight-year-old right now. Unreal. Yeah. And she, you know, that's just, her life would be completely different. So our plan is to really, like, you know, this is like a short that could be like definitely expanded and yeah, we want to eventually totally. do a series and kind of like explore like yeah, I was gonna say a t- like a tv series yeah exactly like really explore that yeah well, this has been fabulous i know you have to jet ski yes so uh jet ski <laughs> um, came up with that myself I, I feel like i just rambled a lot are no. you no 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 yeah, i don't want to stop you do you understand like i feel terrible saying no, that, no i know no. you yeah um so uh tell everybody where they can find the lesbian bar project and where they can find you yes so people can go to www.lesbianbarproject.com. Mm-hmm. Our film is free to stream mm-hmm. on the website. It's also free to stream on Jägermeister's global YouTube page. Mm-hmm. 
They can follow along um, on the project on our Instagram at Lesbian Bar Project. Um, my personal work is at ericarosefilms.com and my Instagram is uh, EAR360. Uh, it, yes, it was my NYU ID. I got Instagram <laughs> when yeah. I was a senior in college and thought to myself, well, this will never take off. <laughs> and um, it's now too late for me to change my handle because I'm tagged in too many things. Right. So right. I am, yeah, EAR360. I'm kind of, you know, now I, I have pride over my username mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. but um, yes, those, that was the origin story okay. of it. And who doesn't like an ear? Um, so love that. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're uh, Erica Rose. You are so amazing. Incredible. You've done so many things that we didn't even talk about, but like, you you are always like making cool stuff and I admire you. Mm -hmm. You're an amazing director. Mm -hmm. People should hire you. Absolutely. (laughs) As an actor who's been directed by her. Fantastic. Oh, well, uh, thank you for braving the rain. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Even that, that, yeah, we only had a brief moment together, but I'm mm. definitely going to, you're always on my mind mm. to hire. Same. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that. Well, I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially um, at night and. Yeah. Wax. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, on that note, um, thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast Full of Women. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.